Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you.
you today a little bit about uh, something, um, and the title of the sermon is The List, okay? How many of you have uh, maybe an Amazon Alexa in your home? Does anybody have any of those? All right. Well, some of you may say, I don't want them listening. Others of you may say, boy, I really am glad I have that thing around. Who knows? We have one in our house, okay? And my wife uses it for her shopping list. So she'll open up the fridge and she'll say, whatever her name is, she might be listening now, but uh, she'll, she'll say the name and then say, add milk to my shopping list, add eggs to my shopping list, okay? Now, I'm really ornery, and I like to add all sorts of really awful things to the shopping list. So, so when she's not listening and not around, I'll say, uh, add sardines to our shopping list or um, add anti-itch cream or, you know, all these horrible things that my wife gets to the store and initially she would say, she'd text me, do you really, I, I need to get this? And I'm like, no, it was just, uh, just, you know. now she totally overlooks all of it, right? My, my, my wife though is a person that lives by lists, Okay. Uh, I do too, which is probably why we kind of are together. In fact, she couldn't be with me today because uh, she set a goal that she was going to do a half marathon and she's doing a half marathon today. And uh, so she's, she's doing her thing. She's the kind of lady that will, um, 
Um, if, if the goal is to read through the Bible in a year, that's the plan. She's going to do it in six months. That's, uh, that's kind of who she is. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm that way, but not near as, I mean, when do I ain't running no marathon? Let's just be real honest about that. All right. Um, but, uh, but, but I'm, I'm that way on so many things in relation to the things that I need to accomplish and get done. So I have a to-do list. It's in my notes app. It follows me on every device that I have. So I know what to, what to cross things off and so on. And it's even gotten better because now with that little head unit in your car, and I'm an Android guy. So with that little head unit in my car, Android, I can press a button while I'm going down the road when I think of something and tell the computer in the car to add it to my list. And it's, it's, it's life changing. It's helped me so much, right? I get to put it on while I'm thinking of it, driving down the road. Lists are important to me. Lists help us set goals and achieve them. Lists help us plan and prepare. Lists help keep us focused on the tasks at hand. I do believe that when we make lists and follow them, that we become successful. I believe that, okay? Now, here's something that that kind of plagued me a little bit. Because so much of our Christian lives are spent maybe in obscurity sometimes. Am I doing all that I need to do? Is God really happy with me? Did I miss an opportunity? Um, Maybe sometimes if I'm honest, I pray and I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Maybe sometimes I feel like, like God is maybe a little distant, maybe. Other times he's so close and boy, we can sense his presence wonderfully. But it got me thinking, what if scripture had a list? What if scripture had a list on how we're supposed to live our lives? What if that list was there on purpose to help make us successful? So I started digging in. Is there a list in scripture? And I think I found it. Um, in fact, for me, this list has been, it's been life altering. It's been life altering. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go to second Peter and, uh, we're going to go to, uh, to verse or chapter one. We'll, we'll start with, uh, with verse three and then, then we'll move forward from there. But, but now I think, I, I think For every person that said, if God would just tell me what he wants me to do, I would do it. I I think if you've ever been in that camp, you're you're, going to walk out today going, all right, I think he's just told me what to do. Okay, so Father, would your blessing be on your word? Would you find us faithful? Would you teach us what you want us to know? May we be diligent in following everything that you have for us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. So all of us want our lives to count for something, something great, something meaningful, something lasting, something everlasting, and even victorious. And I think this list help you, helps us do that. Verse 3. I'm going to take it verse by verse, okay? His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Are we lacking anything or do we have, what's the word? Everything. Everything. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His power has given you, has given me everything that we need to live this life the way he's intended for us. We got everything. In other words, no Christian who has the spirit living inside should say, I'm lacking. You have power inside of you. We sing about it. The power that raised Jesus from the dead, right? So all of us, have that power if we've accepted Jesus Christ into our lives. If you haven't, oh, you can do that today. You can do that today. You can have that power and that relationship. All you do is ask him into your heart and to forgive you from sin. His power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. His spirit has given you everything you need. God's empowered us to start and complete this life, not not to flounder across the finish line and just barely make it, but to thrive across it. Verse four, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through those promises, we may participate 
in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, he says, through these, this, this empowering of the Spirit, not just that, but he's given us promises that are going to carry us through. When you're doubting, when you're wondering, when you're scared, when you're fearful, when you're, when you're, when you're wondering how it's all going to work out, he gives us promises that are like money in the bank. In fact, the word also says that his spirit is the deposit guaranteeing what is to come for us, right? So these promises are like money in the bank. Now, what's really great is, did you know there are 2,184 promises in the word of God? 2,184 promises. That's plenty more than one a day, isn't it? Let me give you a few through these promises. He says in Genesis 12, 2, I will bless you. Joshua 1, 5, I will not fail you. 2 Kings 20, verse 5, I will heal you. Psalm 32, 8, I will guide you. I will instruct you. I will teach you, the word says. I will deliver you. I will satisfy you. Psalm 132. I will help you, Isaiah 41. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. I will hold your hand. I will not forget you. I will comfort you. I will forgive you. I will restore you. I will be your God. I'll put my spirit in you. I will save you. I will love you. I will manifest myself in you. I will come again. I will be your God and you will be my people. I will fellowship with you and I will give you a crown of life. Those are promises you can take to the bank, church given for you in those moments where you're doubting the list in the moments where you're not quite sure it's the pit of your stomach fear it's at three in the three in the a.m when you're not quite sure how life's going to turn out it's those promises he says not only do you have power but when that isn't enough listen to what i tell you because i'm going to see you through Woo! that's good news isn't it that's good news through these Everything you need, his powerful presence living in you, his words to live by. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may, now here's the qualifier, may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. These promises of God, they enable us to live the life that God has called us to. But this is the issue. We have to choose to partake. It's a choice. It's there. Spirit living in you. Promises of God. But it's your choice. Your choice. We have to choose to partner with God. God says, I'll partner with you. I know that you want victory in your life. I want to give you a part of me. He says, we may participate in the divine nature. So I want you to catch this. This is where, as a Nazarene church, we have found our footing since the very beginning. And it is this understanding that God didn't just save me from, from, from death. He also has the ability to save me from sin. Everybody with me? And, and, and now, now here's, here's the catch. And just think about this. Can you go a day without sinning? Can you? Is it possible? I mean, uh, the word says when you're tempted, he'll provide a way out. So is it possible to go a day? What would your answer be? Yeah. So let me ask another question. If it's possible to go a day, is it possible to go two days? (laughs) Now, the grace of God is there. God understands that you're not perfect. God understands Wendell's not. God understands that Wendell's still got a lot of work to do. God understands where you are, what your life is, what your predisposition is, how you were raised, what your background is. And he takes us and finds us where we are. And he says, with me, with my spirit, with my promises, there is always hope for you to live better than what you are right now. When you stumble, there's always the grace. It's always there. But you know, you know something that's happened 
So I, it, it's, it's kind of, you know, at least today, my wife isn't here, so you all can tell her about how great I talked about her, right? <laughs> Tammy and I, uh, I just turned 50. Tammy is still perpetually 29. Um, she's never aged. In fact, when we see people from college, this is exactly how it goes. Wendell, Tammy, Tammy, you look exactly the same. Hey, Wendell, that's how it always goes. Like, I don't know what to say about you, bald-headed, whatever, right? And, um, and so uh, Tammy, um, 50 years in, you know, been married, it will be 28 years here coming up. Um, I, I can flat out tell you that I absolutely love her more today than I did when we first got married. I can tell you that I look at her all the time and think, man, what a lucky man I am. I'm so fortunate to have her in my life. She didn't have to do anything. I'm just blessed to be by her side. Blessed. I think in our relationship with Jesus Christ, could we just say that it's fair we should love him more than when we started? That that love should grow? And that out of the result of that love, it should be a desire to honor him more? Is that fair? I want to honor her more today than I did when we first, when I first took my vows. I think that's the way it's supposed to be in our relationship with Christ. We have this ability through the presence of God and his promises. He says to participate in the divine nature. That word nature there is the word thusis. It means natural disposition. It's as if God is saying to us, my disposition, my outlook, my way of thinking, the way that I view the world, my disposition, I can give to you. I can give you my disposition if you want it, if you'd like it. You'll be able to see the way I see, to understand the way I see things. I'll take your human nature and I will replace it with my divine nature, if you'd like. I'll enable you to live supernaturally in a natural world. You'll begin to understand the spiritual implications of every human event, every natural event. I want to partner with you and give you the righteousness that you're hungry for, the righteousness that you're thirsty for, until... My disposition, God says, becomes natural for you. The promises of God enable us to live holy lives, but we've got to choose it. We got to choose it. So to that, I would ask you, do you want it or not? We cannot live effectively as a Christian without participation in the true nature of God. You know why that is? Because when we're at Save-A-Lot, when we're at a store, when we're in community, when we're having a conversation, we need God's eyes on that perspective, on that moment. God, help me not miss it. If, if, if every moment is precious, if every moment actually means something, God, help me get it right. Help me get it right right here. Give me your perspective, your vantage, your viewpoint. I don't want to miss it. Well, faith is certainly the pathway to God working in our lives. And Romans 10, 17 consequently says, consequently, faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. His presence, his promises, his transformation in our human nature is, is, is what brings about this change in us. And it can't happen unless we allow God to do it in us. Unless we believe that he's actually given us everything that we need. Our faith does not exist in a vacuum. It doesn't exist alone. Uh, In this incredible call of God on our lives, we never get to be observers. We get to be participants with him. Now here's the thing. So he's given us his very great and precious promises. His, His presence living in us. We have the choice to participate. That's all good. That's still a little obscure. And now we get to the meat. If you choose to participate, this is what he says, okay? And I promise this is going to get to the best verse maybe in all of Scripture, okay? So here's what he says. For this reason, you've got these promises, his, his presence living in you, his spirit. You, you can choose to participate, 
For this reason, if you want to participate, here's what you need to do. You ready? For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. I, I believe in Jesus. Great. Want to participate in the divine nature? Add goodness to your life. Step one. Add goodness. The word, the word goodness here, it, it's only used four times in scripture. And it means virtue. It means excellence. Be devoted to one another. Put somebody else ahead of yourself. Share with God's people who are in need. Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those that mourn. Live in harmony. Do not be proud. Associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil with evil. Do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge. Be kind to your enemies. As you walk from this place into the world, as you live your daily life, be good. Be good. Huh. I read a news story this morning about uh, a well-known Christian figure who fell. And I read some of the circumstances this morning. And somewhere along the way, there was a choice to just not be good to people. Somewhere along the way. Be good. Be good. If it's true that you're the only Jesus someone might see, do good and be good in the world. Be good. For this reason, if you're going to participate, here's what you need to do. Step one, be good. Step two, add knowledge to your life. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. There are three types of knowledge in the New Testament. There is perceived knowledge. I think this is true. Then there is true knowledge. I know this is true. And then there is continual knowledge. I can't learn enough. That's the word that's used here. I can't learn enough. I'm constantly learning. It's not by hearing and listening to other people's thoughts or reading the next great book or even the message or even this message, I mean. It's by getting our nose into the word of God, searching and striving to know God with everything that we have. How do we gain knowledge? If you'd like a model, just make a note, Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2 is a great model, okay? Add to your faith knowledge and, and then Well, goodness and then knowledge and then to knowledge, add self-control. Add self-control. Step three, self-control. Every every Christian should have self-control. Anger, bitterness, resentment should all take a back seat and we should live self-controlled lives. Self-control simply means the activity of managing or exerting control over something. The activity, in other words, it's not passive, it's not a choice, it's active. The activity of managing or exerting control over something. It's, it's actually a call against rationalizing. Let me explain that. I would, uh, you know, often um, being in a, as a pastor for, you know, 27 years, I, uh, I've done a lot of pastoral counseling. And uh, through the years, I might have heard things like this. God knows who I am. He, he understands why I curse the way I do. He, he gets it. God understands me. God, God isn't going to hold me accountable to that. That was a long time ago in the Bible. It's different today. God, uh, God, God didn't really mean that, did he? Did he really mean that? So often there's this pull in our lives As we live on this earth, there's this pull to have just enough God to not interfere with what we really want to do. It really is a call against rationalizing. It's too hard to follow God. He won't punish me for that. It's just who I am. Rationalizing a behavior, let me say this, this is going to sound really harsh. But rationalizing a behavior that God has condemned is heresy. I want to say that again. Rationalizing behavior that God has condemned is heresy. What's so great about it 
It's not as if God says, do what I say, not what I do. Jesus gave us the example. And it's not just go do what I say and figure it out. It is go do what I say and I'll help you get there. Just choose to participate. Add to your faith goodness. goodness. Add to your faith knowledge. Add to your faith self-control. Next, add to your faith, faith perseverance. Perseverance. Here's the definition. A steady persistence in a course of action. Perseverance. A steady persistence in a course of action. Okay? Um, it is, uh, it is, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's this staying the course in our lives. It's, it's, it's keeping at it and not giving up. It's, it's not being a quitter. It's, it's sticking to it. It's, it's never surrendering. It's, it's, it's running the race until it's finished. James said, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. I want you to know that there is purpose to trials. There are. To help us grow and to help us grow up in our faith. To flex our faith muscle. To have our faith be something valuable to you that will get you through the darkest night. Perseverance. Hold on. I, um, I love this thought about the law of the harvest. So on my way here, okay, I have this, I'm, I'm really weird, but um, you already got, gathered that. But I have this thing where like, if I'm on a road and I can, and I see beautiful landscapes, I love taking cell phone land, landscape pictures, right? And, and they become my screensavers. In fact, some of them, my wife has, has even printed and like put in our guest bedroom at our house and things, right? I, I, I like taking photos that way. And, and then I like going, hey, my phone did that. Look at that. Isn't that cool, right? So on my way here, I'm taking some beautiful, I stopped because there were some beautiful leaves and, and the way the hills were, I turned my hazards on, I got out of the truck and boy, I started snapping some photos, right? I noticed that uh, there's a lot of harvesting going on right now. Have you noticed that? In relation to perseverance, let me give you something. There is what we call the law of the harvest. Okay? Let me explain that. And you'll catch it. We always reap what we sow. Do you know what everybody forgets? You always harvest in a different season than you plant the seed. You know, for Christians, do you know how hard it is to say, I'm doing the right things today, but my life isn't changing. I made the right decision, but circumstance hasn't changed. I've been praying about this for a week, and it's still the same. The law of the harvest says, that's not the way it works. You plant the right seed today, and then in a different season, you get a harvest. That's what that means. I think perseverance is this work in between planting seed and harvest. Galatians 6, 9 says, do not become weary in the habit of doing good for you'll reap a proper harvest at just the right time if you don't become weary and don't give up. For every person today that's been thinking, I wonder where God is. For every person here that's thought, is God even listening to my prayers? Keep planting the seeds and watch what happens when the harvest is revealed. Don't give up. He's developing perseverance in your life. The next, he says, to add to your faith, next on the list, is godliness. Godliness. Here's a definition. Careful observance of or conformity to the laws of God. In other words, God said it, I'm going to do it. That's what godliness is. I like, have you noticed how each one of these is kind of increasing in difficulty? Isn't that interesting? God said it, I'm going to do it. 2 Corinthians 13, Paul said, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Do, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Godliness, to be like him. Not conforming to this world, but conforming to his nature. Huh. Keith Miller wrote, he said, It has never ceased to amaze me that we Christians have developed a kind of selective vision. 
He says, um, he says, it's, he says, this selective vision allows us to be deeply sincere and involved in worship and church activities, and yet almost totally pagan in the day in and day out of our lives. He said, but worse to not even realize it. Huh. Ann Alexander, she wrote, the world says take control and be in charge. Conquering is the key. My father says, I know the plans I have for you. Give it up and follow me. The world says I should love things and use people. That's the way it's been. My father says I should love people and use things. That's the way to win. The world says in this fast-paced life that busy is the best. My father says, come unto me and I will give you rest. The world says sacrifice to reach the top. The bottom you don't deserve. My father says... The least shall be great. So humble yourself and serve. The world says there are no absolutes. It's up to me to decide. My father says, forgive them once, forgive them twice, forgive them again and again and again. The world sees the outside, the accomplishments and pride. My father sees the inside. From him I cannot hide. So there is this understanding, if I'm going to live this life, if I'm going to participate in the divine nature, I've got, to, I've, I've got to put off the old self and put on the new self, is what Paul said, okay? Well, I'm going to run out of time, and I know that we need to, uh, is there Bob Evans in Willard? Is there Bob Evans? All right. What's the main restaurant in Willard? You don't have one? There's no restaurant? McDonald's. I was going to say we need to beat the Baptist to Bob Evans, but uh, that, maybe that's not going to work. All right. Um, <laughs> next on the list is brotherly kindness. Now, what is, what, is difference, but what is the difference between being good and brotherly kindness? Catch this. The owner of a drive through coffee business in Portland, Oregon, was surprised one morning when a customer... Not too long ago, just recently, a customer paid for her mocha, but then also paid for the mocha behind her in the drive through line. The owner smiled as she told the next customer that her drink had already been paid for. So the second customer was so pleased. Guess what she did? Bought the coffee for the person behind her. That string of kindness, one stranger paying for the next, for the next, and the next, continued for two hours and 27 customers. Isn't that awesome? You know what's so funny about that? Is that 28th customer was a real cheapskate, wasn't he? I mean, <laughs> whoever it was, who was the guy? Hey, we've been, can you imagine the conversation? This has been going on for two hours. Would you like to pay for the person behind you? No, I'm, I'm actually good. Thank you. <laughs> what a cheapskate. You'd like to have him given tithe in your church, I'm sure. So it continued on though, right? This is how it is with God's love. It starts with his unexpected love for us and it just keeps growing and growing and growing, right? Brotherly kindness. We have a city in America named Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? Um, Romans 12 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9. Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Hebrews 13, 1. Keep on loving each other as brothers. The kindness that comes from taking an active spiritual interest in others is brotherly love. Let me say that again. The kindness that comes from taking an active spiritual interest in others is brotherly love. How do we do it? I think this is the easiest way to explain it. Okay, we're, we're working on our list here. I think this is the easiest way. Did you know there's two kinds of people in the world? There are those that walk in a room and go, here I am. And then there are those that walk in a room and go, there you are. As a Christian, if we're going to get this brotherly kindness thing right, we're the ones that walk in a room and go, there you are. I'm so glad to see you, right? That's the call for us. Brotherly kindness, okay? Now, 
Um, I think it's interesting. He, he says, and to brotherly kindness, make every effort, effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, perseverance. And then here we're moving towards brotherly kindness and now love. Now, it, it's almost as if he's saying, hey, just when you think you've got brotherly kindness right, try love. Try love. Um, this, is, uh, this is agape love. Of the three types of love in Scripture, this is the unconditional one. Notice, increased difficulty with every step on this list. There's a deeper quality of love that has no limits and no conditions. In fact, the only way to describe it is to say it this way. God is agape. He's that much love. It's the highest expression of love we can have. It's the ultimate mark of being a Christian. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So when the fruit of the Spirit is living inside of us, when the Spirit is there, there's that fruit of love. It's also the way the Word says that we recognize that the world will recognize we're Christians. They'll know us by our love. John 13, 35, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. It's Philadelphia brotherly kindness, yes, but it's deeper even than that, right? We, we, I think often in the church, we get the kindness thing pretty good. We're decent people, but it's more than that. It's a deeper love. It's a, it's, this is going to cost me love. It's, it, I'm going to have to invest time love. I'm going to have to invest energy love. Huh. I think maybe sometimes all of us, including me, that's the one sometimes I struggle with. Just when you think you got brotherly kindness figured out, move to unconditional love, he's saying in this text, and try again. Try again. Huh. Jim and Philip did everything together when they were kids. They even went to high school and college together. After college, they joined the Marines together. They were both sent to Germany where they fought side by side in, of course, history's ugliest war. During a fierce battle, they were given the command to retreat. As the men were running back, Jim noticed that Philip hadn't shown up yet. He hadn't returned with everybody else. And so Jim begged his commanding officer to let him go after his friend. But the officer said, absolutely not. It would be utter suicide. We're retreating. That's the order. Jim disobeyed his commanding officer. And he went and ran in to battle after his best friend, Philip. His heart pounding, he ran into gunfire, calling out for Philip. A short time later, his platoon saw him hobbling out of the arena across the field, and he was carrying a limp body in his arms. The commanding officer shouted at Jim for his outrageous risk. He said, your friend is dead. I told you there was nothing you could do. And Jim responded quite confidently. He said, no, sir. He said, I got there just in time. Before Philip died, he said, I knew you would come for me. That's the type of love that says, I'll be with you in your pain. That's the type of love that says, I won't abandon you. You matter to me. Lots of people are kind. and don't have, you, don't, you don't have to be a Christian to be kind. There's kind people that aren't Christians. But will you love Will we roll up our sleeves and get into the trenches with hurt and pain? Will we sacrifice our wants and wishes so that they can find the help in Christ? Now, here we go. There's the list. What's the result of the list? Verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Hold on. Did you just hear that? For every person, I want to be effective for God. I'd like to be productive. He says, if you'll do this list, if you'll possess these qualities, if you'll commit to it, you're never going to have a day where you feel ineffective or unproductive. That's victory. Woo. That's good news. And you didn't need Geico insurance, right? Want your life to count for something? Want it to be meaningful? Want it to be lasting? Add to your faith. Choose to participate. Possessing these qualities ensures that your life will be effective, right? So, now, now this is where it gets even better. Because I promised you a, a great verse. That isn't even the great verse yet. Verse 9. But if anyone doesn't have these, he's nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from past sins. That's a little negative verse, all right? 
Still not the best verse. But understand, if we don't have them, we're nearsighted and blind. And it's as if, basically he's saying, it's as if our, for, our, our forgiveness from sins has been for naught. For no reason. We've forgotten that we were cleansed, that God did something for us. And that because of that, we owe some things to him. So verse 10, therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. And this is the best part. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Hold on. That's a declarative for your life. If you do these things. Now, my text, I went old school. Okay. And, 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 and I like the way, I like the, way uh, the NASB says it. For if you do these things, you will never fall. You'll never stumble and you'll receive, you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that. Be all the more eager to make your calling election sure for if you do these things, you're never going to fail. I don't know about you, but I've had enough time feeling ineffective and unproductive in my knowledge of Jesus Christ. What if, what if this list could be life transforming what would that look like so I just want to give you I want to give you just a thought okay maybe maybe it would be good to write this list on a piece of paper goodness knowledge self-control perseverance maybe it'd be good to write it on a piece of paper and place it on your fridge maybe uh maybe put a magnet on it place it on your fridge maybe maybe you want to put a reminder in your phone Maybe, maybe you'd like to write it on a post-it and put it on your mirror where you shave, man, in the morning. Maybe, maybe you want to put it in your Bible so that you're constantly reminded of it. I think, though, if ever there's a practical person that just begged God for a way, step one, step two, step three, I think God gave it to us. Do these things and you won't fail. What a great prescription for life. Huh. Now, the thing that's a little scary about that for me is that if God has given me that list and he says, if you do it, you won't fail. It's almost like I'm accountable to it now. Right? Now, what I find such great solace and comfort in is when I have failed, and I don't get this list right all the time. When I have failed, the grace of God picks me up and says, let's get back at it tomorrow. Let's get back at it. For me, it's been life-changing to recognize this list. I pray that the Lord will help you. Maybe, let me give you one other strategy. Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't want, maybe the whole list is overwhelming for you. So maybe you want to work on one virtue a month. And maybe you want to just, okay, this is my month. I'm going to work on goodness. Next month, I'm going to move to knowledge. Next month, I'm going to focus on that. And maybe you want to be in that perpetual cycle the rest of your life. Maybe. Maybe. However it is, however you process lists, would you just use this great list that God has given us? And could you, could we be effective and productive in our world for the cause of Christ? Father, I love you. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this church. I thank you that you have given us the ability, Father, to follow you, that you've given us the ability, Father, to have a practical way to get this spiritual life right. Would you help us, Father, and may we perpetually, as your word says, grow in these steps so that we receive a rich welcome when we see you face to face. In Christ's name, amen.